Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today I'm joined by the phenomenal Chris more. Now, Chris is the chief executive of the Clink Charity, based at HMP High Down in Sutton. The work of the Clink Charity is known UK and worldwide in reducing reoffending rates and rehabilitating prisoners through training them in cooking, cleaning, front of house service, and so much more. By training prisoners in the last six to 18 months of their sentence, supporting them into their release into full-time employment, the Clink charity has dramatically reduced not only reoffending rates, but has also made a significant impact and positive benefit to wider society. Chris has an astronomic career, having previously worked for Fennec Limited as head of group restaurants, and he operated and ran a whole number of restaurants across many different sites. He's worked in retail from Harrods to general management to food hall eateries in addition, and he wears to this day a number of different hats. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I must say, you've got a terribly impressive profile, not only with your background, but also with the fantastic work you are doing. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally and also explain some of the work that you do at The Clink? Well, I've been in the hospitality industry all my life. Uh, I trained as a chef originally and then worked in hotels in various countries around the world. And then, as I say, uh, ended up in Harrods, for quite a long period of time as part of the team there, redeveloping the food and beverage offer, putting in a lot of food hall eateries, uh, putting in some concessions as well, and also doing event catering. And the food has always been at the heart of everything that I do. And then I went into uh, retail catering, uh, with the Fennec Group. And again, it was at a time when uh, department store catering was moving out of a little dark coffee shop in the corner next to the toilets to actually being something of something quite special, whether it be an internal branded offer or bringing high street brands into, into the retail to enhance the shopping experience. So we did that across many different stores across the country. But at the same time as that, I was also a trustee of a prison-based charity uh, called the 25 Trust, um, which uh, supported men uh, in prison to help them really say that whilst you're in prison, you can sort of repair yourself, get your life back on track, and when you're released, come back and be a contribution to society. So I got to the stage of my life, really, where I thought, actually, um, I want to do uh, more than just sort of earn money and uh, looked at the different opportunities and thought working for a charity would be ideal. So I initially volunteered for the Kink Charity, which was a fledgling. It had only been set up a few months before. And uh, we worked really hard as part of a team to put that together and uh, to make a real difference to reduce reoffending. That is absolutely phenomenal, Chris. And talk to me about why this work is so important to you personally, because from being a chef in those early days, you know, I always want to ask, did you ever imagine you would end up where you are right now? Not at all. Not for a minute. No. I mean, um, the job that I'm currently doing now as chief executive of the Clink Charity is still running restaurants. 
Uh, it's still employing and training people. It's just it's in a rather unique environment with a little bit more, well, a lot more security there. So um, no, I didn't for one minute. But I think what's been really nice about this role has been that I've had my career in the hospitality industry, but also I had 10 years in a prison-based charity, not really knowing why I was doing that bit. And then now it's the two have come together. So for the last 11 years, uh, doing hospitality in a charity set up in a prison, um, the, re the reason why we're doing it is reoffending is a huge challenge. Um, around 55,000 adults get released from prison every year in England and Wales, but 47% of them return back to prison within the first 12 months. And if their sentences were shorter than 12 months, that figure goes up over 65%. So the main reason for reoffending is there aren't enough people on the outside to support and help them reintegrate back into society, but also no bed, no job. So actually, if you can provide a bed, a job, and a bit of help and support, you can dramatically reduce the chances of reoffending. And the great thing with the hospitality industry is it's the third largest employer of manpower in the UK. Around six million people work in hospitality directly and indirectly, one in nine jobs. So we know that if we have highly trained individuals, we can get them work. And this week alone, they're saying there's 188,000 vacancies in the hospitality industry. So we have no problem in getting our graduates work because they come out fully qualified, work ready. When you put it like that, a bed and a job, they're two such simple things that I'm sure many people almost take for granted, that those can really significantly, um, not only reduce, but, but prevent um, and provide a solution through the training development support that you give. It is, it's really quite incredible. And how about some of the some of the biases or challenges that you might have encountered along the way, because despite doing such phenomenal uh, groundbreaking work, I'm sure you've had your fair share of challenges or organizations saying, hmm, actually, you know, ex-prisoners, is this, is this the right thing? What would you say to those people? Well, it's interesting because I used to be one of those people. Um, I never knowingly employed anybody with a criminal record because I thought, actually, I've got enough people in my business trying to steal from me or not being totally honest. Why would I want to employ more? But actually what I've come to realise through this role is actually that the men and women that are trained in prison get their qualifications. They're putting their past life behind them. But actually they're openly advising you of their background with a disclosure letter when they apply. So... If you were to employ me, you'd know my last job, when I started, when I finished, maybe my salary, but nothing else about me. So that could be quite a risk. Whereas actually for a returning citizen coming out of prison, graduate, you'll know everything about them. They'll say what they did wrong. We'll support them by saying what we've done right in the six to 18 months they've been training with us. They've got their qualifications and they've got help and support on the outside. So think graduates really are a credible solution to the skill shortage. And the other great way of influencing uh, employers is we have four fine dining restaurants. So actually members of the public and employers can come and dine in the heart of the prison, going through airport style security, walking through that gated yard, but then sitting in a fine dining restaurant that have all been number one on TripAdvisor over the years in their respective areas. We get them to a very, very high standard. And when the members of the public come in and dine with us, we're, I would like to think educating them and helping them understand that the prison population, just a cross-section of society like you or I. And if we were there, we'd want somebody to help us and give us a second chance. 
What an amazing way to to really break down those barriers. And I mean, have you got any examples of of people that have come in as as disbelievers and then gone out being so overwhelmingly pleased with the service and the experience that really did change their mind? I think looking at our TripAdvisor ratings and customer comment books, probably most people, I would imagine some people have said, actually, yes, I'm going to commit to dining in a clink restaurant every month because I want to have a nice meal and give somebody an opportunity, a student, to get their qualifications to turn their lives around. I'm sure there's a lot of others that said, actually, I'm really curious about what it's like in a prison. This is a bit of a unique novelty. And they go, maybe they're in the worst, just but they want that experience. But actually, I think it really does make a difference. And they can have a very nice meal of a very high standard. It is a catering college. It's not perfect. They will make mistakes. But we want them to make those mistakes whilst they're with us. So when they go out into the industry, they can hold down really good jobs. And where would life be if we were looking for perfection all of the time? This is about a learning journey and an opportunity to develop and, and keep sustainable um, social mobility for all of these um, amazing individuals that clearly have got the talent and the capability to, to really um, make something of their lives. Mm. And how about the golden nugget of advice that you would give to all employers out there who are perhaps considering hiring reoffenders. Go for it. I mean, they're, they're people, the people that are leaving prison have served their sentence. They've spent that time hopefully getting themselves in a better place and they've got to start off with a new um, walk in their life. And really, now more than ever, we're seeing in the papers every day huge skill shortages, and not just in the hospitality industry. I mean, haulage with delivery drivers, we've, we've got the workers in the hospitals, but we are really, really short staff. So actually, if you've got a workforce of around 55,000 people being released from prison every year, why wouldn't we want to go and give them a chance? And I, I think it isn't exclusive just to catering. Other industries that have a skill shortage, whether it's haulage or building, um, hairdressing, um, go and train those skills in the prisons and get them work ready to come out and make a contribution to society rather than costing the government 18 billion a year, which is the cost of reoffending. Mm. Unbelievable, 18 billion a year. And to quote one of your earlier stats, the third largest employer of people power in hospitality it is something that simply cannot be ignored. And when we've been through such a um, you know, terrible pandemic affecting so many people, us looking at more creative, more innovative ways um, to really reduce these skill shortages, why would you not give this an opportunity um, to really thrive within your organisation, highly brilliant, qualified people. Mm, absolutely. And also, I think spreading it a little bit wider, if we look into the social mobility heading, there's many other groups of people that have maybe haven't been in prison or, or they're homeless or long term unemployed. Um, and, and we really need to be addressing that now and looking at all categories under the social mobility uh, and certainly social mobility cold spots in the country as well and seeing what we can do to help those people and train them up to get them into work and get them ready. 
The other piece of work we do is we have a, an event catering company that operates in London uh, at big venues like the Guildhall or St Paul's Cathedral. And all the food for those events, which are dinners and cocktail parties up to around a thousand people, the food is made in a prison by uh, women training to gain their qualifications. And then that food sent up to London in our child transport. And we work with the Centrepoint charity, training up uh, the homeless students from Centrepoint and they do around 50 hours with us to get a City and Guilds digital qualification. So we can get this cohort work ready uh, and get them into work before potentially they may have gone down the wrong route, which could have led to a custodial sentence. So again, we're not just training people in prison not to go back again, but we're actually training people on the fringes that could potentially, with not too much uh, change in their lifestyle, end up in prison. So uh, we're trying to work at both ends of the scale. I'm so pleased that you mentioned social mobility there and the fact that there's so many different areas that you're impacting. At Dahl, we talk so much about holistic diversity, both visible diversity and also invisible diversity, and ultimately us driving social mobility and really giving opportunity to areas that, that frankly, would have had no way near the level of opportunity as others and recognising that equity, much of the time, is so much more important than equality because, you know, we'd all love to get to this state of play of being an equal world and an equal society, but you and I both know that that is sadly not what life is about. We need to first recognise um, the equity, to your point around social mobility and different areas, different places, lower, um, you know, areas, you know, higher areas of unemployment, you know, and, 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 and look at the solutions with which to ultimately fix those and start to sustainably level the play, the pl level the playing field, which is, um, you know, absolutely what you're doing. I really do take my virtual hat off to you, Chris. You know, and again, obviously, being in prison, um, we, we don't recruit them. Uh, they're there. So um, we, we don't cherry pick. Uh, we train all walks of life. Uh, the only proviso is they must have volunteered. We don't want to force them to do anything they don't want to do. But if they volunteer to be trained, we will train them five days a week for six to 18 months for them to get their city and guilds national vocational qualifications, whether it be cooking, food service. We also run three farms and gardens. So uh, growing our own veg and salad and keeping chickens. And those men and women working in those projects also get qualifications and go into the horticulture industry as well. Superb. And before we run out of time today, Chris, on the show, I'd love just to ask a couple of lightning round questions, if I may. Um, I'm going to ask you the hardest question first. I wonder, you know, clearly you're so passionate about what you do, but what would you say is your secret to success? I think just uh, stay focused on what you want to do. Be inclusive with people. You could, I could have the best ideas in the world, but unless I've got a great team around me, um, nothing's going to happen. And actually, by when you can infuse a team around you, you can do amazing things. And the clink is uh, quite large now. It is its own identity. It's not any one person. It's not me. Uh, it's not the trustees. It's itself. And actually, everyone contributes to that. And the biggest contributor are our students as well, and now our graduates. And we have a huge alumni of graduates uh, that are doing amazing jobs, predominantly in the hospitality industry, but not all of them. Uh, we have one that's an actor. We have another one that's in the Royal Navy. Um, they're all over now, but it's a delight to see them. And the longer we go on, we're now in our 11th year, 
We now have graduates as the head chefs of hotels and restaurants. They're now hiring in uh, our graduates. They're coming in and doing masterclasses in our restaurants. And it's just great to see them just take the model and just take it to the next level. I can see the sense of pride when you're talking about all of the people that are impacted by this. It's just fantastic. And I wonder, out of curiosity, throughout your life, clearly there's been a number of heroes, sheroes, um, people of inspiration, shall we say. Um, who's been the biggest inspiration to you in, in your life, in your career thus far? I think in my career was my time when I worked at Harrods. I worked for Mohammed Al-Fayed for eight years, who um, uh, some people might have a Marmite approach to him. But actually, he was very passionate about the family and very passionate about people. But what I learned from him was um, do it once and do it properly. And uh, just if, you, if you've got an idea go and do it and certainly when the clink was being set up with the trustees uh, at the beginning it was very much about it yes it's going to be a charity but it doesn't need, mean it's not going to be done properly so go to the best bank go to the best lawyers have trustees who are really experienced but don't have them just because they're nice people have them there because they bring a skill so maybe one will be for education one will be prison one will be finance one will be property and and that way you can be, be inclusive for everybody and everyone can uh, play their own part on the subject of inclusivity for, for all, I know often diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, it means many different things to many different people. What does diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, any of the above mean to you personally, Chris? I think having worked in the hospitality industry all my career, it's a family. It's another family. We tend to work antisocial hours. We work under extreme pressure. Uh, we work in a very close-knit environment. And actually, when you're all pulling together, focusing on one sole aim, whether it be serving the best meal or getting an event done, um, you pull together. And actually, everybody is a part in that that's, uh, to play in that. And they're like a jigsaw. It all slots together. And if you're all focusing on one thing as a team, it just unites everybody. And you actually are all focused on one thing and you're not distracted by labels and badges. You're just actually getting the job done. So people have always been at the heart of everything that I do. I love working with people. Uh, I learn a lot every day from all walks of life. And uh, that's what makes this industry so great. I love a family piece. It is. It's absolutely. It's our sense of belonging where you feel, hey, do you know what? Actually, I belong. I belong here. And certainly sounds you have made that possible at, at the clink. And finally, I wonder if you could go back in time, perhaps to the um, to the young, well, you're young now, Chris, obviously, but the even younger Chris in, in his early years, pre perhaps uh, going to um, start within the, um, the, the, the prison charity, not knowing what was ahead. What advice would you give to your younger self or indeed someone who is on a similar journey trying to make a difference in business and in society as a whole? I think expect the unexpected. Um, you can plan as much as you want, but you're not actually in control of it uh, most of the time. So um, think things can come into your lives and go out of your lives and your, your path may change. Because as I think I explained earlier, I had an experience in charities. I had experience in restaurants. The charity bit was because I was helping out a friend who, who had a charity, but it wasn't going particularly well. Uh, and then all of a sudden, up pops this role and uh, came together. So it wasn't on my uh, agenda, really. I hadn't really even thought about it. I'd never been 
near a prison, um, yet alone inside one. So uh, it really came from left field. But when I actually looked at it, saw the great opportunities. And actually, uh, it's a bit of a surreal environment. And I've had to learn uh, lots of different ways and, and be trained to, to go in and out of the prison and, and work with the men and women. But they're an absolute delight. And I can honestly say, my whole career is the calmest workplace I've ever worked. You're going to the kitchen, during service, it's silent. Everyone's learning. And that normally, hopefully it's getting better now, but certainly going back 20 years, that certainly wasn't the environment of a normal kitchen. That is amazing. Calm environment. I can barely picture that in the kitchen. I can't wait to come down and see this in 3D. That's absolutely brilliant. Because when I envisage a kitchen, I always think, oh, it's like, you know, crazy people kind of shouting at each other. But actually, um, you clearly run a very tight ship indeed, Chris. Um, and also, it's a learning environment. So it isn't, it isn't a restaurant. It's actually a catering college. And the byproduct of the catering college is we need customers to come and dine. So it's actually doing two things. So actually, when the students are in service, they're really concentrating. They may even be doing an assessment for part of their qualification. So it's part of the process. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you ever so much for, for joining us on the show today. I always give a brief summary and I'm wondering where on earth I start now. But um, what I'd say to everyone who is listening is I hope that you've enjoyed the show as much as I have. It's been a real learning experience. Um, so intriguing the world of um, the prisons and also uh, the incredible aspects of positive upward social mobility and the work that can be done by the Clink charity. Making sure we really seriously address these reoffending rates as a matter of absolute priority to the nation address what is happening uh, when it comes to the skills shortages um, and the workforce issues we have right now. The great work of the Clink and other organisations really does provide a solution to the long-term issue, in particular when it comes to education, inspiration and alleviating and providing that solution to the long-term issue. If you're an employer um, having listened in today, please do uh, check out the Clink. I'd encourage you to consider hiring re-offenders, um, speak to uh, Chris over at the Clink, um, or even consider dining on one of his programmes, whether it be in the heart of the prison, whether it be getting involved in some of the great work that uh, the Clink is doing uh, right now when it comes to rehabilitation. And finally, I, I just love your tenacity, uh, Chris. Think you know you clearly you know a man that follows through on on everything that you say and to really you know have gone from the career that you have in in Harrods which I do love Harrods I have to say um it's a brilliant brilliant place love the food halls there um you know through to applying those incredible skills to making a significant benefit not just talking about it but following through on all of those different aspects and at the scale that you've got it to um inspiring motivating so many it's just superb thank you ever so much for joining me on the show it's just been wonderful having you here. Thanks very much. Thanks. My name is Leila McKenzie Dallas, um, the founder and CEO of Dar Global. You've been listening to uh, Chris Moore, the chief executive of the Clink Charity. If you would like to uh, visit us on any of your favourite podcast apps, you'll be able to download an audio version and subscribe to the show. We'll make sure we put an annotated version in into the show notes, uh, which you can see on our Dar Global app, um, Dar Global. Uh, network in the app store or you can visit us online at www.darglobal.org forward slash podcast and we will look forward to seeing you again very soon thank you so much for watching the diverse and inclusive leaders podcast 
please do feel free to hit the like button below, or if you'd like to receive future notifications, do ping the notification bell here at the side. If you're interested in the audio version only, you can find it on the following streaming platforms. Any extra info and descriptions will be in the links below. Look forward to seeing you soon.